Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 2, Episode 11, Unlimited Salad and Dog Sticks, with your hosts, Jeff and John. The book, The Crystal Star by Vonda McIntyre, the year 1994. Chapter 11, let's go. This would be great if Danzig was in charge of the Empire Reborn. I got a yub-pub for you. He's a big pile of dicks covered in gold. The Patriarch. He sent my jackhammer to kill. <laughs> Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the discussion podcast where we talk about Expanded Universe Star Wars books. But not Was it too much? Did I, did I miss no. one? You're, no, you were good. Normally, you always point out that I do something wrong in these intros. Well, you see, this time around, you were very calm, mm-hmm. and you went about it instead of like trying to, to just run right through it, just jam your dick through that intro and I, get <laughs> get all up in it. I'm not usually trying you to. You took your time. I, yeah. You romanced it. <laughs> I did the intro gently. Yeah. <laughs> you, you really, really took your... Your good sweet time. You you put some rose petals down. You put on some music. <laughs> a little Barry White. Yeah, it was good. Okay, well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, this is Chapter 11 of Vonda McIntyre's The Crystal Star. And that's out of 13. Yeah, we we're real close. We're on our way down the slide, which is remarkable given that this entire chapter is wheel spinning again. Oh, my God. I am amazed at the amount of page space that can be lent over in this book to... And then people were like, ma, I'm grumpy. Time to go to a place. And like, that's all that happens. That pretty much is all that happens. For a lot of this book, there's just nothing happening. So, uh, okay, this chapter opens. And we might as well, once again, like we like to do, talk about where we left our heroes. Yeah. So uh, we left our heroes on the world craft, uh, the uh, Hethrier's secret world craft. I don't know if I would call them our heroes. <laughs> We left the majority of the main characters of this book. There we go. Uh, on Hethrier's Worldcraft, where, and this is a direct quote from Riau, who I normally trust to be a very, very competent person. Uh, she said, the, this, the Worldcraft is ready to set sail. We will be at Asylum Station tomorrow morning. Yeah. Which left John and I agreeing in, in our thought that for some reason they were just going to fly Hethrier's whole friggin' planet to uh, Cersei. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot in the last episode. We were like, but why would, how, how badly are you going to fuck up this planet by doing that? So instead, what actually happened at the end of the last chapter is that uh, Riau apparently comes from a planet where leaving your participles dangling is perfectly appropriate. Yeah. As well, long you can't no- name your participles or else it gives someone power over you. <laughs> yeah, she was just walking around with her participles all dangling everywhere. How rude. I, f- I would have figured Leia gave her some clothes by now. Yeah, come on, man. This ain't the gym. You can't just have your participle dangling out. <laughs> so what it, what she actually meant is that Monto Kodri is going to be the target destination for the world craft, while Leia in the Alderaan, along with Chewbacca, Jason, Jaina... Uh, and Riau will will be heading to a Asylum Station, which they will learn when they get there is the same thing as Cersei. Yeah. So the whole world craft is on its way to Munto Kodri, and I think that might be our first full-on derail what-the-fuck moment of this chapter. Yeah, okay. Now, from a narrative perspective, I understand that you want the sort of economy of space here where you're like, Look, we've already mentioned one planet in this book. We may as well make that the planet that they go back to. I I get that you don't want to try and like make things more complicated than they are, but 
Mojo Kodru's a bad choice for so many reasons. Uh, well, why don't we go ahead and run those down? First of all, let's run down what the right choice should have been. It, it's Coruscant. It's Coruscant. You should have sent the damn thing to Coruscant. And the thing is, they've mentioned Coruscant in this book. It's not like it hasn't come up. Yeah, I mean, and that's where the, the base of power is. That's where all the ships that can take all these kids home are. I almost did Coruscant for our bonus content today, but it's very boring. But one of the things about it is... The, like, galactic coordinates for it is zero, zero, zero. It is the center of the galaxy, essentially. That isn't true, because the center of the galaxy is Bis, the, the well, planet that Sidious is from. But I guess, like, the way that they do their measurement system, where they, they put it wherever it is and say, that's the center. Well, it's the basically trade lanes. They're <laughs> like, oh, if you're an outer rim, then we don't count you as what the center of the galaxy is. It's a whole core-centric economy. It is. Yeah. But the thing is, there's tons of, like shipping lanes and travel so and maybe, nonsense so there maybe to be fair it's not a good idea to send a whole planet to go be in orbit around it then because it's kind of crowded well i mean you don't send it to be in orbit i don't i don't know that that vonda really understands the size of space uh, it's yeah. very big yeah here's the problem with the world the problems with the world craft in general are numerous it would be too small to see from most for most people out in space because it's like a little tiny baby planet. It's way smaller than the moon. I mean, essentially you'd be going, oh yeah, we saw an asteroid. Yeah, we saw a weirdly blue asteroid. That's what that's what it was. Had a dragon on it. <laughs> had, uh, it had its own sun, did yeah, that asteroid. Yeah, it was the only asteroid we've seen that has a sun in orbit around it. Real weird. Real fucking weird. Uh, but, I mean, you can't, if, if it was any kind of planet at all, you can't send it to orbit around anything because you're going to fuck up the local... Orbital oh, yeah. dynamics. You're gonna you're gonna ruin everything. But uh, so they should have sent it to Coruscant, and they should have let people at Coruscant know because if there's one thing Leia actually has to her name, it's a lot of people who work for her. You yeah, your Winter and Wedge and Borsk Falia, all these various characters that exist in, in the expounded universe that are just the functioning functioning arm of the Coruscant government. But even then, being that she is like the main diplomat for the New Republic, you would think. Okay, we have to get these kids stolen from Republic planets back to where they need to be. Let's send them to the center of the Republic government and get them back to where they should go. But no, we sent them to a fucking backwater that isn't part of our government. No, specifically they are not part of the government of the New Republic. That's why Leia was there in the first place, to try and bring them on board. And she didn't finish that job before she escaped from what was essentially custody. From them. She didn't leave Monto Kudru on good terms. No. When she left, uh, essentially they were like, look, if you leave, this is going to fuck things up politically for us. Yeah. Like, you would, you're going to make things look very bad if you do this. And she did it anyway. Did not send them a letter that was like, oh, by the way, I did find my kids. They're off planet. And you were wrong. Basically, the, book, the chapter is missing a lot of information about how she reached out to the New Republic to let them know what was going on. Because as it stands, what happens here, uh, based only on the information provided in the book, she leaves the planet and goes to Cersei Station to have more adventures. Meanwhile, she sends an entire planet full of, full of kidnapped and terrified five-year-olds and one giant monster that is their cook to, <laughs> to Munto Kodru, where I assume Greg will explain what's going on. Yeah, also, I... I mean, I get it. I get that Drake is a a good person and was a slave, but Leia spent four minutes talking to a giant alien that worked for Hethrier and 
all Greg had to do was go like, oh no, I was forced to do this. And she was like, okay, you can be in charge of this planet of children. Good day! <laughs> Have it's a great- the same as the fucking nameless person on the Ferrari ship, where it's just like, what are you, some random dude? You are in charge of your species, and good day. <laughs> Greg, I leave you in command of all these children. Keep in mind that some of the children are in prison and some of them are not. I leave that up to you. <laughs> like Either way, either you could go, oh yeah, Greg was... Uh, super nice and is going to take care of these children, but we already know that uh, she wanted to feed like the nasty, disgusting soup to the Proctor kids and the helpers and whatnot. Well, as so- soon as she realized she didn't have to, she didn't want to anymore. She was like, no, we want to give them good food. I, But honestly, that could just be her saying what she thinks Leia wants to hear. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. like, it could go either way of either, oh, she's super angry at her captors and takes it out on these other children, or secretly still working for Hethrier and just turns the fucking planet right around and goes right back where they were. <laughs> but no, it's cool. We trust Greg the Vubig. I trust this alien I have known for a couple minutes. Goodbye. It's time for more space adventures. But that still doesn't... Okay, so here's here's the thing. They send Greg the Vubig and a whole bunch of kidnapped... And Finn crying... the human. <laughs> Jake the dog. <laughs> they send they send Greg and a whole bunch of kidnapped, terrified children to the local regional authority of a backwater government that has nothing to do with the New Republic, who will... Here's what they're going to see. Chamberlain, Chamberlain of Yawn's going to come out one morning and see a giant planet in his orbit and be like, the hell is that? Then he's going to get a call from a huge, gross, six-legged space monster who's going to say, hi, I have all these kidnapped children and we're on this cool Imperial slave ship. Please help us. The New Republic said you would. Uh, and he'll say, oh, okay. Um, do you happen to have my Wirewolf? Oh, no, no, we don't know where that is. Oh, uh, no, we don't know. Also, uh, Leia doesn't send any regards. Also, uh, it has been established that your spaceport is tiny and unused, so I'm sure you have the resources to ship people from your shitty backwater out to their planets, right? Anyway, <laughs> good day! She might as well have just sent the poor kids to the ruins of Alderaan. <laughs> this is a bad choice, and the only reason the choice was made at all is because they were like, eh, the first two chapters of this book were on Munto Kodru. Let's just go back. <laughs> we, have to, we have to tie this in somehow. <laughs> like, up to this point, it has basically been a useless fact that it was on this planet. So, oh, good. Hethrier's giant ship full of slave children. Which, by the way, the only thing that we know about the Munto Kodru society is that they live to kidnap children. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's send this planet of kidnapped children to the planet of kidnapping children I that don't belong to our government. What could go wrong? <laughs> what is this? Like, you would think maybe for a second that... A planet that's like, oh, we we use kidnapping as a way to get politically ahead. You're like, weren't you just in political negotiations with them and you sent a you sent a planet of children that they could hold on. I think you are perhaps the worst diplomat ever. Yeah. Hey, would you guys like a huge planet, a free huge planet that can go into hyperspace and has its own sun and we loaded it with political capital for you? <laughs> also, there's a cookie bouquet. Oh, I, I assume you will do the right thing. <laughs> Bye. I'm oh, off to have adventures. The only thing stopping all you weird sleep standing up werewolves from just taking this thing is one alien who's a cook. <laughs> That's right. Don't worry. It's the Steven Seagal of aliens, though. <laughs> what? This is the dumbest. I, I can't. I can't deal with how bad of an idea this is. <laughs> she's just relying on the good graces of a whole bunch of people she's known for a couple of days. Yep. 
it's uh, it's bad. It's a bad idea, no matter how you <laughs> she slice it. She should have just sent it to the forest moon of Endor. She knows the Ewoks better. <laughs> been like, I, feel, I feel like Ewoks would take care of these children better. Yeah, they'd eat them instead of just throwing them in prison. Hey, if there's one thing I've learned from Ewok movies, it's that with kids, they're like, nah, you're my size. Oh, you're yeah. basically a pet for me. We are pals. <laughs> you're my good friend. Here is a magic headdress. I'm going to wait until you grow up and get some meat on them bones. <laughs> Okay, let's move on from the first line of this chapter. <laughs> so, basically, uh, Leia and Riau are arriving in uh, the space or- the space around Cersei Station. Well, they're they're going to take off, but, yeah. but first we have to get back with Han. Yeah, so Han Solo, who is on a gambling high instead of a gambling low for the moment. Oh, yeah, it- <laughs> and, and drunk. He is He's- drunk and high on winning at gambling. And he feels all nervy and on edge like he does on his best days. I feel like this book's trying to tell us that Han has a manic issue. I'm pretty sure Han has a problem. He's got like two. I think he's got at least two problems. Because he's definitely got a gambling problem, according to this book. Oh, yeah. And then also, he seems to be doing a lot of super highs and super lows. I think he might have a little bipolar happening. Uh, however, what he doesn't have as a problem is a bitch. He Of his problems, a bitch is not one. That's true. Uh, I mean... I don't know if that's actually true. I mean, he. Well, I, I mean, I don't, only, mostly because I don't like the usage of the term. He's got multiple women in his life at the moment. Oh, no, I'm are... talking about the werewolf. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know the gender of the werewolf. That's a specific thing about werewolves is that you don't get to know their genders. <laughs> you, you can't know them. You gotta squeeze their tummies if you want to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lady. It's <laughs> the only thing they can say. Yep. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's the only thing they can say, so you don't learn anything <laughs> yeah, it's from true. it. <laughs> All of them say that. Oh, it's just the sound of them expelling air. <laughs> yeah. Oddly enough, it always comes out as, hee I'm a lady. <laughs> so, anyway, he is basically walking into the hotel. He's been up all night gambling. He is quite drunk. And he is flush with excitement because he can't wait to rub his winnings in everyone's faces. He is a man with a problem having a current (laughs) manic high. Cannot wait to rub his dangling participle in everyone's faces. (laughs) So, basically, he gets to his hotel room, walks in, tries to find anyone he recognizes, almost slips on the petals of the meat flowers that that, uh, C-3PO was carrying when Hethrier chopped him in half. Which I thought we were going to get any sort of payoff. We have, again, two chapters left, and one of our main characters has been sliced in half, and there is no mention of it in this chapter. It's 3PO. In the very last, it'll literally be in the coda of the book. It'll be like it, in the in the section about Vaughn to make McIntyre on the back of the dust jacket. It'll be like, by the way, they found C-3PO's two halves and stuck them back together. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Vonda McIntyre was raised in Montauk, New Jersey. They found C-3PO and sewed him back together. <laughs> she now has two children and lives in Montauk, New Jersey. I, I don't know where she lives or anything about her. I mean, that would be a really rad thing for 3PO to have, like, a giant through-his-body scar, essentially. Just, like, permanently. Where he, got, where he had to get, like, <laughs> melded back together. They just say, the last chapter is seven years later, and it's just C-3PO showing up, and he has an eye patch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you Sons left me. Bitches. You left me for dead, Master Luke. You left me to die. <laughs> but I didn't, and I've spent every day plotting this moment. Would you care for tea? <laughs> oh, thank you. You're welcome. Good day. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, bye. <laughs> right back to normal. <laughs> All right, so... uh but yeah, he almost slips on the meat flower petals that 3PO left, and then he goes up to his hotel room and bangs on the door. Yeah, uh, and but unfortunately, 
No one's answering, and his card doesn't work. And so he bangs and rings for a while until finally a lady answers the, the door via like a little TV screen. screen. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't seem like a convenient thing to me. Like it, it It's a <laughs> weird thing that a hotel in a weird, like, out-of-the-way space station where things are sort of cobbled together. And seedy. They're like, oh, yeah, but we have a hollow projection screen so you can talk to someone outside your door. Yeah, the last thing I want when I'm staying at a seedy motel is for people on the other side of the door to see what horrible things I'm doing in there. Like, <laughs> That's I, exactly what I want people to see. <laughs> I, if I'm, like, at a Motel 8 in Los Angeles and someone knocks on the door, I don't want them to be able to see how gross. I'm like, oh, look at me. I'm smeared in Frank's Red Hot Sauce and... <laughs> That's what you do. I've got the air conditioning cranked to 30 degrees in here. <laughs> I've been playing Game Boy for 14 straight hours. Instead of going to the work convention I was supposed to, the, I'd look like James Bu- or, yeah, Jake Busey. I look like James Buchanan. <laughs> I look like James Buchanan. <laughs> and the last thing I want to do is activate a little hollow screen. <sighs> James Buchanan, one of our earliest presidents. <laughs> My God. Who could possibly have a mental image of that? What was he, the 15th president? <laughs> one of them early ones. He's the 15th, I'm pretty sure. I think I think he's one of the ones that's supposed to be famously like the worst possible president. <laughs> he did like nothing to stave off the Civil War. Yeah, he's a dick. Yeah, he was a shit president, if I'm remembering correctly. Any, anyhow. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so there's a hot lady in there now instead, and she's like, what? What are you doing here? This isn't a good time for trading. I, w- I will meet you in the morning. Come back, and I will take you to my ship to show you my merchandise. My ship sails in the morning. I (laughs) I wonder wonder what's what's for dinner. dinner. (laughs) Oh, boy, I'm so hungry, I could give myself a promotion. Uh... Memes. YouTube poop. (laughs) Hey, guys. Hey, guys. We've been quoting a YouTube poop. (laughs) For no good reason. (laughs) Uh, But no, there's like some lady in a robe in there, and, and she says the most generic thing she could. Like, she's a video game NPC. Yeah. Come back later, and I will show you my merchandise. Come back in different color text in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, basically, and by saying my merchandise, what she says is I'm not a real vendor in this game. Please do not try to buy things from me. (laughs) So, but she's hot, though. The book makes sure that we know that she's a gorgeous and beautiful woman who is merely disheveled. Thank you, Vonda. That's what we needed. needed One of the three. Is she a a character from a Star Wars book? Is she a sex haver or is she a gross blob? It's a sex haver. This one's a sex haver. (laughs) Whoop. So Han goes, he keeps trying to bang his way in, but then my yeah, favorite, he does. my favorite part of the, <laughs> Ooh, something that could be one of my problems. Uh, all of a sudden two giant C-3PO's appear, R2 I'm sorry, D2's. R2-D2's appear. It's way better that they're two big R2-D2's. This is my favorite part of this whole chapter. Two R2-D2's appear because she has summoned security and their security is bumper droids yeah he describes them as r2d2 on steroids yeah he does han's like they look like r2d2 on growth steroids you know it's like shrink steroids that you normally see (laughs) well it's r2d2s but they've got tiny balls (laughs) real real shriveled sacks on them r2d2s the truck nuts on the back of that r2d2 very tiny his data probe can't even fill the slot anymore if you understand what i'm coming from if you get what I'm putting down. These little jump jets won't even get him off the ground. <laughs> uh, those jump jets aren't getting anybody off anymore. When he, when he sprays, sprays his oil slicks, it's just a little dribble. <laughs> so anyway, two big-ass R2-D2s, so basically just full-size garbage cans, come rolling out from either side of the hallway, and Han's like trying to work his way past them into the door, and they're just like, boop. 
Yeah, they're nope. just, just bumping him. He's like, hey, let me get past. Donk. No, oh, come on, but I just want to get. Donk. Okay, but no, hang on. Just let me just get donk. around. Donk. No, but I don't even understand. Donk. <laughs> Eventually, they just donk him down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Han gets donked out of the building by two trash cans on wheels. Like, ladies and gentlemen, the hero of the Republic, Han Solo, donked out of a hotel by two garbage cans on treads. What happened? What the fuck just happened here? He's like, but I'm really good at gambling. Donk. Oh, damn it. Let's just step around you. I mean, you're not that fast. Donk. Oh, I'm so... I, come you've, on now. You've donked me well and true, gentlemen. Oh, if it was only one of these things, I could have done it, but... <laughs> I, I try to go one way and I get donked. And I go the other way and I get donked. There's only two ways to go. <laughs> the other way has a do not disturb sign on it. So he gets pushed downstairs where he confronts the whirlwind that is the proprietor of this hotel. There's it's like I an air elemental. I don't understand what's going on because I thought when he first showed up it was just some alien. But now he keeps referring to it as the whirlwind. I keep At first I thought that this thing was basically just a light projection on a spray of water. At first like, I thought this thing was going to fight the wasp. <laughs> Yeah, it's whirlwind. It's it's that it's that mutant from the Marvel universe that no one remembers. It's, who dresses it's that like a bullet. Who's, who's a green red tornado? Yeah, he's a green bullet guy who has saw blades for weapons, and his power is to spin at subsonic speed, which incidentally is also my superpower. <laughs> yeah, oddly <laughs> enough, listed under my superpowers, I have multiple limbs. <laughs> uh, John and I spent last night looking up obscure DC or Marvel villains, including Spiral, whose first superpower is multiple limbs. And I was like, hey, me too. <laughs> what do you know? I guess I'm a mutant. <laughs> Good for me. <laughs> but yeah, that's his power. It was listed as his ability is to spin at subsonic speeds. Hey. Same. Same. <laughs> I can't create tiny tornadoes with it, but I bet I can antagonize the wasp. <laughs> Hey wasp, I'm not touching you. I'm uh, not doing. I'm not doing. Uh, I'm not touching you. Uh, I'm just gonna spin around with my hands out, and if you get hit, it's your fault. I'm gonna rob a bank like this somehow. <laughs> <laughs> just spinning slowly towards the vault. Everyone's like, "Oh, I don't want to get slapped though," and he's not doing anything wrong. The whirlwind's basically just a Marvel villain who exists because sometimes you have four villains and there are five Avengers. <laughs> also, this guy. <laughs> Hello, I'm here too. <laughs> Hi, I wear a dumb hat. <laughs> Why? Uh. It helps me spin. <laughs> I'm spinning. <laughs> so uh, Han confronts the proprietor of the hotel, who is some sort of whirlwind of air over a pool of water. Uh, I don't know if he's a phantasmic style projection or if he's actually like a little water and air elemental. But he's like, hey, what happened to my room? And the projection guy's like, well, uh, you weren't paying for it. And also there was a conference scheduled for this weekend. So I kicked you out. And he's like, but I'll throw money at you. <laughs> he, yeah, thank you, Drunk Han Solo, for taking a wad of credits, throwing it into a pool, and then getting donked out of the hotel <laughs> yeah, anyway. The two R2-D2s, which apparently had to take some escalator or something to get down here finally. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are, they are just full-on Daleks without guns. Maybe these are the downstairs bon bonk droids. <laughs> yeah, them, them downstairs bonk droids. Oh, man, that's you know what, what I mean. No, do. <laughs> I got them downstairs bonk droids. I got my downstairs bonk droids for you. But no, just think about it. They're, these are just the B model of the gonk droid. Oh, yeah. They're bonks. Bonk. <laughs> donk. So, so uh, they donk him out of the building. I love that he throws money and then just loses it. And yeah. he's like, aw. Yeah, because the whirlwind's like, too late. Go away. <laughs> 
And then Han's just like, well, where are all my friends? Where's Luke and Zaveri? Uh, I don't want to talk to Zaveri, but I bet I can find Luke. I bet he's at Waru's house. Uh, at first, I bet he's at the Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah, that's like right. They're just sleeping there. And then, <laughs> coincidentally, the uh, all the interference goes away. They're like, oh, and then uh, as soon as he thinks of contacting the Millennium Falcon, the asteroid that they are sitting on for this station turns such that it's no longer facing the fucking uh, star. Or the black hole, yeah. And, and he's, he's like, oh, I can contact it, and no one has been there. And then as soon as I confirm that, we immediately turn back around, and then interference <laughs> starts up again. Ooh, four bars. Okay, hold still, hold still. Aw. Aw. <laughs> we get a lot. For some reason, this chapter in particular is very full of descriptions of the crystal star and the black hole and the cosmic dance therein. Because it's, it's pretty, it's well written, it's like, and then all of a sudden the double binary hell star sucking energy from the mighty white dwarf uh, spins around in a beautiful display of flipsery that really messes with everybody's bars. Yeah, I I mean, this is the point where I go, alright, I, I can tell, Vonda, that you're an actual decent writer mm -hmm. if you were writing your own shit. Oh yeah, I mean, she has that one book that won like a Hugo, a Nebula, and a Locus Award, oh, yeah. like at once, I think it's called Dream Snake. Yeah, she was huge in, like, the 70s. Yes. But at this point, I go, man, don't... I feel like you just shouldn't be writing for Star Wars, because you apparently <laughs> do not give a fuck about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can see the the cost per word in this book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I know she wrote at least one of the short stories in, in uh, one of those Tales From books, so she got she got a little more work out of Star Wars. Yeah, I just... But I think she was just redoing a bathroom. Man, yeah. It's because, again, there are times in this book where I will read it and go, oh, you, you can actually write really well. You turn a good phrase. You are an odd fellow, but I must say, you turn a good phrase. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's a good writer. She really is. This is not her material, the material that she should have been working no. on. Uh, anyway, Han kind of decides to stumble to Waru's building. Yeah, he's yeah. like, all right, well, the only place I know where any of the people I know congregate at all is this place. And I, I, I guess at this point, I have forgotten the specific order of the mini micro chapters in this chapter. It's time to check in with Tigris. Do we got to check in with Tigris? Okay. So Tigris is in one of the like meeting halls in Waru's building. Uh, so he's it's like... One of those meeting halls they have at an airport lounge at the Hilton, at the you know the, the airport Hilton. Yeah, it's like a, a big old meeting room, and there's you know some half bagels on one side and and, and some thin orange juice, <laughs> that kind of situation. That thin orange juice, <laughs> no pulp. Pulp's the good part. Oh, pulp is the worst part. Give me negative pulp, please. <laughs> I want that orange juice to pull pulp out of me. <laughs> I want to be depulped by my own. To be fair, juice. you are pretty full of pulp. Or to something. be fair, I'm pretty pulped up. You're pretty pulpy, or something that resembles pulp. <laughs> I am basically a big, squishy pile of pulp at this point. <laughs> I'm pretty much a few gold scales away from Waru, is what I'm saying. <laughs> what we're saying is that on the Vonda McIntyre scale of creating Star Wars species, you're a gross blob. <laughs> that is what we are saying. Yes. You're a quivering, wet blob of pulp. <laughs> I am orange pulp made flesh. Good day, sir. Would you like to buy my art? I guess that's why they make the different kinds of orange juice, because I like my orange juice to basically be chewable. Ugh. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> anyway, Tigris is hanging out in this building with a whole lot of of Hethrier's followers. So this is actually an interesting reunion special. Lusa's here. Oh, yeah, because the big thing outside of him just taking care of Anakin is all of the 
like special people here because this is supposed to be all of the higher ups in Hethrier's uh, command structure. Yeah. So Lady Ucky is making an, uh, is making a grand reappearance, and we get Lord Kakakukaku. Yeah, Lady Ucky and Lord Kakakukaku are here. Although Lady Ucky gets a better seat because she paid more money. Yeah, you're damn right she did. So she's get she gets a good seat. Uh, Kakakukaku is sitting out amongst the other followers, and there's one weird guy who is refusing to sit down, and that guy has the Chamberlain's Wirewolf. Yep, we we find out that I I think the Wirewolf has been almost killed several times, and well, every time they're like, oh, who cares about this weird dog? Well, I mean, we know the, the arc of the Wirewolf is known. Uh, back when Lady Ucky was the one who won the highest possible bidding rights in order to secure, like, the rights to distribute The ability to sell off these kids. Whatever. Uh, he, uh, Hethrier threw in the Wirewolf for free. Yeah. Uh, so the Wirewolf had left Planet with Lady Ucky a long time ago, and uh, apparently she sold it to this guy, this this new this new player in the whole story, Lord Brasha'a. And, okay, the weird thing to me is he's throwing in the Wirewolf for free. Mm-hmm. Which means that it's not one of the kids. So you'd think everyone here has one of these children. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that. I assume they're probably going to feed it to Waru. Yeah, they're all getting the chance. At this point, John and I are more or less in agreement that what's going to happen at this big airport Hilton meeting is that they're going to haul Waru out on stage and he's going to give a big old Tony Robbins style presentation. And then one by one, he's going to eat all these children. Yeah, and that's, I think, don't know yet, but I'm pretty sure Hethrier's big plan is if I feed enough kids to Waru, he's going to give me unlimited either, power, either like way more force power or he'll turn me human because that's what his big thing that he wants is. That would be pretty crazy. Uh, so maybe both. Maybe he'll just get turned into a Vaderman. Yeah, he's like, look, I want you to straight up turn me into a Vadersman. He's like, fine, you're Chad Vader. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so I'm Chad Vader, <laughs> ASV president. <laughs> So uh, all these po folks are hanging around with their various Lusas and other alien creatures that are probably are Force-sensitive to feed to this big monster. But you see, Lord Brasha'a has a problem. Oh, yeah. When Hethrier says everyone should sit down, he doesn't because he's not sure what's going on here. So this is the big meeting where Hethrier explains to everyone what's going on here. That's the point of this meeting. Yeah, he's like, look, I've called you all here because it's time for me to tell you my plan. And... Tiger says a couple of minutes to think about Lord Brasha'a, and he's like, oh, I know this guy. He's the most tight-fisted and miserly of all of the Empire Reborn weirdo old people. That's why he only got this werewolf instead of an actual kid. That's why he has to be here with a dog instead of a kid to feed to Waru, and Waru's not going to want to eat that dog. I mean, Waru's probably going to want to eat that dog. <laughs> Let Let's get, be honest Let me here. get that dog first. I'm going to eat half the dog now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see how I feel. The dog is basically like garlic bread. <laughs> Just bring me, bring me a basket of dog, and we'll we'll go from there. We'll see what happens. Is is dog free? <laughs> <laughs> Do I have unlimited dog? <laughs> Do you have unlimited dog sticks? <laughs> unlimited salad and dog sticks. <laughs> Maybe we just found the title of the episode. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Brasha is like Lord. I'm I've got questions. Which how is this dude who has never given Hethrier the amount of money Hethrier would like? Uh, and how has he not seen Hethrier kill a guy for just asking a random question before? Or even not, even if he hasn't seen, like, oh, he's been on planet and hasn't even met with Hethrier. It's mostly just been through, like, communiques and whatnot. Yeah, like, at least at that point, at 
like Ucky or Cockacookacoo would have been like, oh yeah, fucking uh, snores. Snores got straight fucking murdered because he didn't pay enough and had the temerity to say, maybe I shouldn't pay this much. He basically said that seems awfully expensive. Yeah, like he. He didn't say he wouldn't. He just said it was expensive, and Hethrier murdered him. Yeah, and you're standing up and being like, hey, buddy, fuck you. I've got questions. It's like, do we need to see this scene again? It's just the same scene. I mean, there's a difference, and I understand why we're seeing it again. Because Brashaa's like, hey, man, uh, I don't like what we're doing, because I feel like we're giving too much attention to all these non-humans. All of our people are getting used to having non-humans around, and I, as a huge imperial racist, don't like that. So... What I want to know is, what's your big plan? And that's why I've come here to the What's Hethrier's Big Plan seminar, featuring the power of positive eating children. Yeah, because he's like, oh man, this new republic, it's got to go soon or else we're going to be like equals with people. And that's worse <laughs> so, than anything. So, so basically, Hethrier's like, Ugh, okay, I'm going to kill you. Look, Okay, buddy, hey. I, I don't think you understand how this goes. I'm an evil overlord, and you just singled yourself out. Yeah, so he basically tries to force kill Brashaa. Uh, and he does it the same way he always does, which is just sort of look at them and stop talking until they die. Yeah, they, he's almost force choking, almost like forcing blood out of their nonsense. I think he's trying to stroke him out or something. Yeah, but, he is. <laughs> but there's there's something wrong with this planet, and we know this already because of Luke. That's that's fucking with force, and we don't know if it's Waru, we don't know if it's the Crystal Star, we don't know yet. We don't know anything, and the book's about to end. But we do know that force don't work so good around here, and so while he's trying to kill off Lord Brashaa, he can't. Yeah, uh, he, he manages to get to the point where Brashaa gets choked a bit, he has blood coming out of his eyes, but he's not dead. He's apologizing, and says, my lord, please forgive me, he says, but he manages to run out of the building before be being killed. And escape, and Hethrier's just st standing there like, what the hell? What, what, what now? Yeah, H Hethrier's like, all pale and sweaty, like, why the fuck can't I do this? Yeah, grayer than usual, and I'm like, wait, how is he gray at all? I thought he was gold. Yeah. Wasn't the whole point of these guys that they have gold skin and they turn silver when they get scarred? No, nah, man, it's, uh, it's that he has golden red hair. No, it's both. It's both. They have gold skin, they scar in silver, and they have three colors hair. <laughs> three colors hair, thank you. Three colors hair, by the way, is my least favorite Chinese food option at the local place. <laughs> I'll get the three colors hair, thank you. <laughs> I'll take the double happiness and the three colors hair. <laughs> so, um, okay. <laughs> then he kind of just strides over to uh, Tigress, who's like, the fuck just happened? Did I just watch my master fail at something? This is... This is revelatory for me. This has rocked my worldview. Also, this is another chapter that has Anakin referring to himself in the third person. Anakin want wolf. Anakin want wolf. Because <laughs> that, as soon as uh, Brashad drops the chain he was holding the werewolf by, it goes walking over to Anakin and falls asleep near him. Yeah. And Anakin's like, Anakin want wolf. And then Hethrier walks over because apparently Tigris has his lightsaber. Yeah, because... Uh, Hethrier's lightsaber fucked up in the last chapter when he went to go uh, slice the C-3PO in half, mm -hmm. and he wasn't going to pick it up because it malfunctioned so terribly, so he's like, Tigers, pick that up for That's me. That's right. And so Tigers so still, just still has had it. it. Yeah. And he's like, were you planning to hold my lightsaber forever, boy? Ah, oh, boy. <laughs> you play a good game, boy. <laughs> Advance. Uh, so, gets the lightsaber back, and then I guess he sort of Launches into his big plan, his villainous, villainous plan. Well, I mean, 
first we have to check back in with Han before we no, get the, the speech. I know. I'm just saying that he launches into it, and then we go to check with Han. Han. Han Han. Han Han. Han, Han the Han. Yeah. Han is <laughs> heading into Waru's building, and he's passed by some sort of feathered velociraptor man who's like, whoa, they closed services for the whoa day, there, my friend. buddy. You're too late. <laughs> Slow down, Maurice. <laughs> He says, and Han's like, no, it's cool, I'm meeting a guy. And the guy's like, okay, bye-bye then, I'm a feathered bug monster or something. Sounds good, I've got scales and feathers, and I change color. Okay. That's a lot of cool descriptions. Makes it sound like you might not be a sex haver, though, so I'm going to keep moving. (laughs) I I don't think you're a sex haver, and I don't recognize you from the movies, so I should probably go before you spew goo all over me. (laughs) Before you goo up the place real good with your blobs. (laughs) (laughs) Before you're like, oh, please, stay a while and listen, and then you like encase me in some sort of ooze. He's just nothing but protoplasm and tentacles underneath his feather and, and scale hat. Like hat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this feathers and scales is the clothes I wear. <laughs> underneath is a gross blob. <laughs> I'm basically a writhing mass of hagfish. It's an <laughs> art project. Look, I've got so many weird sucking mouths. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> All right, so uh, Han makes his way into Waru's actual, like, antechamber, where Waru was hanging out. Not the narthex, the actual antechamber. Yes. And uh, sure into enough. The, and then the chamber in the antechamber touch, and then a giant explosion happens. So, so, <laughs> so Luke is hanging around with Waru, and Waru is basically starting up one of his standard, I'm a big, whiny, passive-aggressive douchebag speeches. He's oh, like, I do so much. Oh, human... Like all living beings, I tire, and so I ask everyone, leave me be. Can you not, and and please accommodate my simple request? Oh, I'm so sleepy. Let my giant goo body relax. And and Luke's like, but I think I might be dying. I'm pretty sure I'm going to die. So, you know, Waru's like, fine then. And then Luke puts his hands on Waru. Getting ready to be gooped up real good. Yeah, he's like, gold. I'm going to get up on that dais and be like, yeah. sup, bruh. Now, this changes something in Waru, who immediately is like, oh, shit, Jedi meat. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Let's get it going. But but Han's there, and so Han grabs Luke and starts pulling him away. <laughs> like, straight tackles him off of the stage. And yeah. he's like, nope. Nope, you're coming with me. And Luke immediately reaches for his saber, and Han's like, look, dude, you're not going to hit me with your lightsaber. Like, we finally has the conversation we wished he had had six chapters ago. Yeah. Where he's like, quit reaching for that thing, you dumbass. You're not going to chop me up with your lightsaber. I'm your brother-in-law. Also, at this point, Luke's like, I'll give him a lightsaber. Good night. Oh, I don't feel so good. Put me back on that, Waru. Like, Han's drunk, but fucking Luke, at this point, is basically, like, falling asleep in his own burger crumblings drunk. (laughs) That's a story. (laughs) Oh, man. About about a year ago, almost exactly, <laughs> we went to uh, a local convention here in San Diego called the Kingdom Con. Uh, and, uh, every year at Kingdom is Con Quest, is Drunk Quest, as we have, we have noted before. Yeah, Drunk Quest is this awesome game that we play there every year. John and I are both really good at it. We both have competitive mugs for being really good at Drunk Quest. Yeah. Um, we, we went to In-N-Out afterwards. I had had 14 ciders uh, because I'm an idiot. John had not because he's relatively intelligent. I mean... I had close, but also I hold my liquor way better. 
<laughs> I don't know if that's... I drank so much. I got to the point where I was aggressively drinking at you. Oh, I know. <laughs> you were like, Jeff, cut it out. And I was like, no, bring me more cider and I'm going to point at you while I drink it. <laughs> Make eye contact with me. <laughs> I want you to see me destroying myself. <laughs> so I was 14 ciders deep, uh, which meant for while you're in and out, I was... More or less not trying to talk to people. I knew enough to be like, all right, keep your stupid in and add burgers to that stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we had a friend with us, a guy named John, who and, is a different John. And man, he was like top five, definitely alcohol poisoned, just asleep with a burger on his chest that he would occasionally awaken to eat again. Yeah, he, he leaned back enough that a burger rested comfortably upon his paunch. <laughs> And, and it stayed in his hand, and every once in a while he would shiver like a bear in, in March, <laughs> raise the burger to his lips, bite through it, and fall asleep again. I don't think I ever saw him chew, no. but he would get burger in his mouth, and it would basically stay there. And then his arm would go back down like a garage door closing. <laughs> Clunk. <laughs> it was It was, even for me, and I was as drunk as I've ever been, it was a spectacle. Yeah. <laughs> so this is where Luke is at at that's, this point. That's where Luke is. He's Burger Crumbles drug. He is he has fallen asleep <laughs> in his own Burger Crumblins. That is how fucked up he is. At, uh, and he's basically arguing with Han, who is dragging him away. And he's also arguing with Waru, who just got a sweet taste of Jedi meat, and is like, "No, I must heal him." He he wanted he, he gave consent. <laughs> Let me do this. <laughs> Look, Luke well, is too is fucked up to give shit. consent. Yeah. He cannot do this. Yeah. No, bring him back. It's cool, bro. Don't be a cock block. <laughs> you were supposed to be my wingman. <laughs> Come on. Look, that Jedi's ready to go. Look, I spent two hours plying him with gross force magic and a hot tub. <laughs> By the way, grossest hot tub in all of space. That's me. It looks like French onion soup in there. <laughs> it's even got a nice thick layer of cheese on top. <laughs> I've got a slave that just stirs it, otherwise it congeals. <laughs> Same with me, though. <laughs> Stir me. I mean, Stir we, me so that I do not congeal. We know he congeals because there's meat stalactites coming off him, uh, off of his dais, like friggin' underneath a, a Euro machine. Yep. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so Han manages to drag. So, yeah, so Han gets him out. <laughs> he drags him out to a very secret path, <laughs> and then we go back to do we? Which one do we want to do? Do you want to do the Leia? We, we we go back to Hethrier. Okay. doing his speech. So Hethrier's giving his speech, and his speech is literally the speech that the Flash gives in that one really good episode of Justice League Unlimited, where he squishes brains with Lex Luthor. He's like, "And now I shall tell you my plan, my villainous villainous plan." Question the planet, your peril. Uh, everyone go around the room and announce your part of the plan. Because <laughs> he has no fucking... He's got nothing. His plan is like, I will become awesome, and then the Empire Reborn. What, what we're gonna do, my plan is, the Empire Reborn will be uh, born, and then it will destroy the Republic. And he's got a bunch of, you know, metaphors. I will rise from the ground like brilliant metals and be polished into greatness. I shall become a cloud that looks like a top hat, and then it looks like a star, and then it looks like a fighter jet. Am I making my point? <laughs> I shall rise from the ashes like a mighty phoenix, and then fall into the dirt like a less mighty phoenix. <laughs> I shall rise from the ashes like a mighty phoenix, and then blast Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> 
like a mighty havoc. <laughs> and it will have no effect, for they are brothers. I was going to say, don't they have the dumb now, mutant ability of being immune to each other? Oh, yes. Of course they do. So because their, their powers both key into the same weird dimension, and they're both immune to their own effects. <laughs> That's why they can close their eyes without blowing their eyelids off. So, you know. Well, Havoc can close his eyes without blowing his eyelids off because his power comes oh, no, out of he his can't. chest That's hands. a weird thing for Havoc. He can't close his eyes without blowing his eyelids off. he doesn't shoot lasers off. out of his eyes. It comes out of his, like, chest. Oh, I know. That's that's why it's weird for him. That's it. He just, if he closes his eyelids, they blow off. They grow back. They grow every time. Overnight. Yeah, it's just a weird thing for him. Gnomes and pixies come in the night and replace his eyelids for a bowl of milk. X-Men got real weird in the 90s. <laughs> I like that that's when they got weird. <laughs> All right. So uh, he's explaining his ridiculously stupid plan. Uh, meanwhile, Tigress is straight up turning. Tigress is like, you know, I think of Anakin as my little brother. And boy, I wish I had a little brother. And I don't know, like a weird, ugly, horrible dog. Yeah. And then at the end of this little subchapter... Uh, Hethrier kind of Pied Pipers everybody up into the next room. He's like, all right, everyone, it's time to reborn the Empire. And now, follow me! And he walks down the aisle without looking at anyone, and, like, proctors have to run ahead to open the door for him. There is one last time in this chapter, and I hope I hope it's not the very last time in the book, where Tigris stops for a moment to appreciate the uniforms of the young Empire reborn. Oh, yeah. Like, like, again, ooh, with their light blue tunics festooned with medals and fineries. Oh, to oh, the thrill of it. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> Fucking Tigris, please. Just <laughs> just stop. Just get over it. I just kind of hope that at the end of the book, someone go- gives him a rust-colored tunic of a helper, and he's like, yay, <laughs> my, my dream's fulfilled. All I ever wanted. <laughs> like... Anyway, Man, get better dreams because apparently all you want is a fucking jumpsuit. Like, <laughs> well, tunic. Not. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the the helpers pretty much just get to wear like sackcloth robes and they're a good color. Nah, man, because the uh, it's the Empire Reborn the guys are in a, the pale blue jumpsuits. Yeah, that's what he wants. Yeah, he'll ever, settle for the rust colored tunic. I want one of those pale blue jumpsuits, dude. I'll look like Doctor Venture. <laughs> I have one of those pale blue jumpsuits. Same here. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's the end of them for now. Yeah. Meanwhile, Leia has landed on the planet, and we get, um, oh gosh, before, I, for, I forgot to mention this, but back when they were flying in, we had to get yet another scene where Leia tries to convince Chewbacca not to do anything. The well, seventh one or something. That's, in this- that is the only thing that Leia is here to do is be like, look, Chewbacca, you're competent, so what I need to do is go out there and be a big dumb idiot. You need to stay on the ship. Please stay in this room with my kids, you nanny. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't just straight up use, like, rich New York nanny language with him. Stay in here. Not day off <laughs> Honestly, I'm amazed she doesn't just treat him like the dog trying to get out when you leave the house. You're like, whoa, <laughs> just sticking her leg in between the screen door. Oh, back. Oh, back. No. Not, no, right, not no. right now. Not right now. We'll go walks later. <laughs> no. A. A. Back inside. Back you inside. Sh- I need you to work on President's Day. Look, you remember that time I gave you a big box of old t-shirts? You owe me. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Leia, again, in this fucking chapter, is like, well, I finally was able to give up being Lalila. Now I'm back to just being Leia. Anyway, call I'm Lalila again. Call me Lalila. <laughs> but this time, I'm not pretending to be Lalila. I'm just saying I'm Lalila. This time, I'm not going to pretend to be Lalila. I'm going to be exactly the same as I was before. <laughs> you know, like when I was pretending to be Lalila. She's like, I will no longer subsume myself into the personality of Lalila. Sure, yeah, that's because that's what you were doing. Yeah, that's great. You are 
you've got Tommy Wiseau levels of self-deception here <laughs> on how grand you think you are being. We need more butt shots of Princess Leia. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's like looking at a pockmarked moon. What is... Uh. Hi Chewbacca, you're my favorite doggy. <laughs> my doggy. That is, that is what's happening here. <laughs> All right, so... Anyway, th- at this point, they're getting off the ship, and they're in that taxi cab with the spider driver. Yeah, because that's he's the only one, apparently. He's the local taxi driver. Uh, and they're like, hey, uh, are there records of ships that came in? And he's got an interesting way of speaking, so he's like, yeah, probably. Yeah. Can we see them? No, you can't. Why not? Because, you know, the gov- the company that has them wouldn't want you to see them. Because that's a ridiculous thing to suggest that you'd be able to do. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm giving you less stars on this lift. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he starts driving them to the airport, and then Jaina, out the window of the little taxi, sees one, sees Lady Ucky's personal starship. Yeah, because, and like, she remembers it. Ooh, it's that gold ship that showed up once. So, okay, here's who's here. We've got Riau. We've got Princess Leia pretending to be Lalila again. We've got Chewbacca not pretending to be gay Ahab. He's just like, nah, I'm nah, Chewbacca. I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. We're fine here. <laughs> I'm still waiting for these dumb colors to fall out. But like, I, I took a shower, and it's it's mostly blended in, but god damn it. Yeah. And we have Jason and Jaina, because they didn't want to leave him on the ship. Uh, now, so Leia's like, well, that's one of their ships. Driver, take me to that ship immediately. <laughs> Drive me closer. I want to hit it with my sword. <laughs> and the driver's, even for a moment, even the driver's like, that's dumb. Why? That's not your ship. Why would you want to go over there? What are you hoping to accomplish here, Leia? <laughs> and even the kids, you know, everybody else in the car, they don't say anything. I think because they've just gotten used to just doing whatever Leia wants. But everyone's got to be thinking, like, there's no way they're sitting in the ship, Leia. They didn't fly all the way here to sit in the ship. Yeah, they're they're not like, look, we're going to sit. Nobody gets out of the ship. I'm getting a small black coffee, and we are leaving. (laughs) Asylum station, asylum station. (laughs) I want a sweet meat. (laughs) We've got sweet meats at home. I want to fuck a ghostling. (laughs) I want to see the Brebisham heaps. Uh, No, apparently she's like, I'm going to go knock on that spaceship. And... And indeed she does. (laughs) What the fuck? Okay, I at least understand that Jaina's like, that's a thing I recognize. I think my friend that I made might be on it because I have no actual concept of things because I'm five. Yeah. I want to go over to that ship because it's a thing I know. Yeah. I understand that. You're a five-year-old. Great. But Leia being like, yeah, this sounds like a good plan. I'm going to knock on a spaceship and, okay, one of two things is going to happen. One. No one answers, and that was stupid. Two, someone answers, and it's a bad guy's ship. What do you think they're going to do? Just give up. Oh, no, you guys are in a taxi. Oh, no, a bunch of idiots in a taxi. It's a good thing I'm in a fucking spaceship. I guess I'll turn my turbo lasers on you. Get the fuck out. Or, more interestingly, I'll leave. (laughs) Oh, yep, you found me out. I sure do have Lusa on this ship, and I'm an evil lady. Good day, and leave. What is this plan? So they knock on the door, and wouldn't you know it, it's answered by like a star-nosed mole alien. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it is definitely a disgusting heap alien that yeah. answers the door, and it's like, oh, are you here to buy slaves? It was like that's a little unsubtle. Come on, guy, at least use some of the code language. Be like, are you here for the industry? Uh, here on Asylum Station? Are you here for the convention? Are you here for the trade? You know, but no, he's like, are you here to buy slaves, human slaves, or would you prefer trans species? And they're all like, uh, we're, 
we're here to find Lusa. I do not know what that is. We're here to find the owner of this ship. Lady Yucky is the... Uh, at this point, the Star-Nosed Mole is straight up the uh, the character from Wayne's World. <laughs> it's uh, the Chris Farley character from Wayne's World. Just, that guy's new, that, that Star-Nosed Mole alien knew a surprisingly large amount about Mr. Big. Because <laughs> she's like, You will find Lady Yucky at the Crater Lounge. Inquire at the Crater Lounge for Lady Yucky. She has gone there for a conference on the slave trade. You will find her there. Do not disturb me here. I will go this way, and then I will go this way to the Crater Lounge. <laughs> And then just shuts the door, and they're like, keep banging on it. I'm like, <laughs> banging on the side why? of it. Yep. What is this? Even if they open up again, what else do you want from this fucking alien? <laughs> Leia. Leia, for the love of God. <laughs> so they they go. They Indeed, they go into the city. And that, that that is where we end, is with the weird taxi going into the city. We have... Two chapters left. Two. (laughs) And fucking nothing. There has not been conflict in this book. Okay, here's... Well, I mean, there's been the chase of the kids by the other kids. I I think that's the closest we get to conflict. Here's what I really want from this book at some point. A lightsaber fight. You introduced two new Force users. Both of them have lightsabers. Can I see a lightsaber fight that doesn't involve cutting C-3PO in half? (laughs) Like, give me some sort of tension or conflict where it's like oh man there's a blaster fight or someone's doing a thing like the kids running away is close ish but even then it's oh we're way the fuck out in front of them and then we just go into this tree yeah the closest things to an interesting fight we've had in this book have been luke going crazy near han doing like the the boogie nights thing yeah (laughs) hey you guys want to listen to some of this but like (laughs) motor it the i mean the kids are mostly just dicking around and then occasionally trick their way into getting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leia never fights anyone, never does anything, is terrible at her entire existence, and then <laughs> fucking fails forward because that's the the thing that she is in. I'm sorry, for a minute there I was picturing C-3PO setting off fireworks in the background. <laughs> and then fucking Han and Luke are like, oh, here's a weird alien. They're doing Real Housewives of Atlanta bullshit. They're... Waru should have been the main point of this book, and he is an afterthought. Oh yeah, you barely even notice Waru. This is the one. This is the most agency we've seen Waru exhibit in this chapter. When he's like, "No, bring me back that Jedi. I have some sort of mind, apparently." Oh, I wish I wasn't sessile, but I am. Yeah. Please put that dude on me. I will devour him. <sighs> it's like if the villain of Star Wars was the Great Pit of Carcoon. <laughs> hey, hey, get over here. Hey, 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 you fall in me. Hey, come on, come on, fall in this Sarlacc pit that I am. Oh, I'll get you. Oh, I'll, I'll talk someone into it. Ooh. Hey, hey, you, you get hey, in here. It's going to be great. Hey, hey, you Gamorrean, there's pig food in here, huh? Oh, oh, no. <laughs> hey, other Gamorreans, there's a dead Gamorrean in here. Ooh. <laughs> you can have all his rags and axes. <laughs> all of his rags and axes. <laughs> also, that is definitely the Gamorrean magazine to subscribe to. Rags and axes? <laughs> yes. I'd subscribe to that, too, especially if I was into, like, cool guitars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that's the whole chapter. I- <laughs> that's it. Everyone just kind of wanders around it. No one reveals anything and nothing happens. The crystal star. The stage is set. Is it, though? I mean, everyone's just sort of wandering randomly around Cersei Station at this point. The stage has been being set for 11 chapters now. This is one of those songs that's like all build up and no you know, fun chorus and bridge part. Oh, my God. It's that song that does like 
the full build and you think they're about to break and do something super rad and rocking and then it just keeps sort of maintaining that level. It's the airborne toxic event with that sometime around midnight song <laughs> where you keep hoping for a, cur- a chorus or something. And it, I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it's a rad song, but it, it doesn't, it just ends at the end of it. It's just like build, 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 build. Oh my God, build, 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 end. Like if a roller coaster was actually an escalator. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. You're like, oh, here we go. Uh, thanks for writing. And, it, and and there you go. You're at the top now. Go ahead and get off there. Thank you. <laughs> you, can, you can take the stairs down. <laughs> so we have two chapters for this thing to collapse into an actual story. Yeah. God damn it. Oh, okay. Sure. Whatever. We're done. <laughs> All right, John. Uh, so thanks so much for listening, as always, to uh, Expounded Universe. Uh <laughs> As, as we like to talk about at the end of these episodes now, we now have bonus content available for Expounded Universe, and that's where John and I tell each other stories from the fun world of Wikipedia. Uh, we find things in this chapter that were of interest to us, and we go on a mission into Wikipedia to find fun content to describe to you. <laughs> content that may or may not actually pertain to what was in the chapter. Well, sometimes there's just nothing interesting in the chapter. This chapter, surprisingly little Wikipedia content. We had to do some digging. Yeah, because uh, nothing happened here. <laughs> but we did, and it's ready for you out there it's waiting for you at patreon.com slash system mastery where if you pledge two dollars per episode of system mastery which averages out to about four bucks a month you'll receive not only four bonus expounded universe episodes every month but also our two bonus system mastery episodes every month so that's six extra episodes of our shows for about four dollars a month it's uh it's kind of crazy. It's a dumb deal. We shouldn't have done it, but we did. <laughs> we're, we're locked. S- we're so stupid. We're locked into it. We are. Li- we are living in cardboard boxes, folks. <laughs> this is our mistake at your benefit. We, we have made our errors, and now we must sleep in them. <laughs> I am sleeping in the Patreon. <laughs> Uh, once again, that's patreon.com slash system mastery. Otherwise, you can find us as system mastery on Gmail, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter. We're like tw- five people away from a thousand on Twitter. We're Just losing. We're losing followers. We had 995 the other day. We're at 992 right now. What did we do to you, listener? <laughs> what did we do? <laughs> I assume that's people who died. <laughs> no, man, because then they wouldn't. Unsub- you're not like dying breath. Must not follow. All right, well then, fine. If, if you're upset with us and are about to unfollow, please die right before you do. Please, please die rather than make our numbers go down. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's that's it. That's all I'm saying. And if you are about to die, push your Patreon up for a month. <laughs> you know, right before you die, just yeah. be like, yeah, I'll fucking a hundred dollars. Who cares? Yeah, especially if you're out there and you're about to die and you're Ray Liotta. <laughs> Ray Liotta. Are you about to die? <laughs> Please subscribe at the Ray Liotta private select level on our Patreon. It's $2,000 an episode, and it's only for you, Ray Liotta. It's not for anyone else. If you're dying, please get on that before you die, yeah. because we'd hate to see that happen. <laughs> and if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, I could pledge at the, at the uh, one available slot for Ray Liotta. No, you can't. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't. Come on now. <laughs> not even if you're close to Ray Liotta. I don't want to see any Joe Mantegna's or, or like, I, I don't know, uh, Danny Aiello's or any any of you other uh, Italian character actors pledging at the Ray Liotta level. Okay, don't you do it. Yeah, wait. I think Joe Mantegna's dead too, but but still, don't pledge if you were if you were alive <laughs> and you're Joe Mantegna, <laughs> who you'd remember as Fat Tony from The Simpsons. Then we, we want you, Joe Mantegna, at the thousand dollar level. Yeah, John, you got anything else? I uh, I do not. <laughs> then thanks so much for listening. I'm Elan Sleesbagano, and I love Death Sticks. 